Thank you so much, everybody. Um, we have an amazing guest today. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Patrick, for coming out. Uh, this is, again, uh, the Changemaker podcast and vlog. For those of the folks that are out there on uh, Facebook and Instagram, thanks for following along. Um, and those of us uh, that are listening on, on, on the podcast, thank you so much. So I'm going to do a quick intro to uh, our amazing guest today. Uh, today's guest is Patrick Robles. He's uh, from the south side of Tucson, Arizona. He's a graduate from Sunnyside High School, where he served as student body president. How long ago, Patrick? Last year. Last year. Mm -hmm. So uh, fresh, fresh off the press, so yes, to speak, sir. right? He's a uh, Southside community activist and public education advocate. Currently, he serves as a commissioner for the Metropolitan Education Commission. Shout out to the MEC and all the great people doing great work there. Uh, a member of the U.S. Census Subcommittee. He's also a member of U of A Mecha and the U of A Young Democrats. He works for uh, his county supervisor while he attends school at the University of Arizona, and he's a first-generation college student majoring in public management and policy. You got your resume in order here, my man. Good yes, job. Sir. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. All right, so thank you for making the time, Patrick. Thank you for coming out. Uh, for the folks out here that are uh, paying attention to us, we're going to be really honing in here. Patrick is, uh, is a trailblazer, really getting young people excited about the political process, about education, mm -hmm. about getting engaged and involved in communities. So we're going to be exploring this, Patrick. But before we jump into all of that, talk to us about who you are, man. Talk Everybody wants to know, and we've said this over and over, you know, the amazing things that you've been able to accomplish, but it took a journey to get here. Yes, it so, did. So tell us a little bit about that journey, man. Who, who was there? How did you get there? What were some of the trials and tribulations? What makes up the story of Patrick Robles? When I was in sixth grade, I, I, was, I went to Challenger Middle School out there in the South Side, and I was listening to the announcements, and I heard them talk about the, a club called We the People. And in that club, we study the Constitution, the government, and then we're questioned by it by actual folks who work as judges or lawyers or study the Constitution. So I was uh, convinced by a teacher to join that club. Her name is Missy Guerra, and I credit her for changing the course of my life. Um, and there I was able to understand the government, understand that we, the people, are in control that is, if we choose to do so and control the course of this nation. Mm -hmm. And so ever since then, I've been really, you know, excited when it comes to politics and government because I know we can make that change. And so I joined student council in, at middle, in middle school, ran for student body president, student body president there, then joined student council at Sunnyside. And when I joined, when I went to Sunnyside, I didn't know nobody there, but you know, I joined student council anyways. I was able to convince folks to vote for me. I made those good connections, said hello to everybody every morning. And, you know, when you talk to folks at Sunnyside, they'll say, you know, I left a mark. And I'm, I'm super grateful and humbled that I was able to do so. I've influenced school policy over there, got a crosswalk built. You know, lots of good things happened at Sunnyside. And, and it, this would not have been possible without my teachers. Those are the folks who... Who've, who've taught me to be, you know, a good leader, you know, who've taught me the good stuff that's been in the back of my mind that helps guide me. And also this wouldn't have been possible without my family. Of course. You know, this, you know, this is all new to everybody in my family. And, and without a doubt, they continue to support me and love me unconditionally with all my goals and endeavors. And so I credit a lot of my success to my family, my public schools, 
and the folks around me, my friends, and you know, my colleagues at work. You know, I credit a whole lot of folks for making me into the young man that I am today. Amazing, amazing, man! Th- thank you so much for sharing that because that's something we drive home here at the school and in the community. We're constantly reminding folks that it is a journey. Absolutely, that it is is a marathon. Yes, right. It is. This is not a sprint. This is a journey. Then there's so many people along the way that help us get to where we need to be. Yes, and I think a lot of people don't realize that it takes hard work. It didn't just happen. It just land on my lap. You know, student body president just just didn't land on my lap. I had to work hard for it. I had to make those connections. I, I, I got those rejections and I did learn from my mistakes. And so, you know, I think folks need to realize it takes hard work, you know. So if I'm hearing you right, it's about making the right connections. It's about be, being at the right place at the right time, but being willing to accept an opportunity. Yes, and it's about um, being a good person, being that person. You, you shouldn't be a different person uh, when you're out there in front of folks than you are behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm what you see is what you get, yep. you know? And I think, you know, there's too many folks who, who are different people behind closed doors, and you need to be that same person because that's how you're going to win folks over. Mm-hmm. And you, you got to be able to talk to those people that aren't usually talked to. And, and I know that people hearing this is a breath of fresh air, right? To hear that uh, somebody who is uh, up and coming, who's young, who's excited, is talking this way, right? Because there have been times in the past that that wasn't the norm, right? That there were these multiple personas and there were these kind of just these perceptions, let's say, yes. right? And so now it's breaking down those silos and, and doing things like this, right? Getting in right. front and, and being a real mm-hmm. person, and having real discussion, yeah. Instead, instead of this is this is exactly I mean, we've had conversations, you know, off camera here, so to speak, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And and yeah, man, what you see is what you get, right? Which I think is amazing, and I think we need more and more of that. So so again, thank you so much for your willingness to to speak to this and to to put yourself out here in this way because I think you're right. That's how we win uh, people over. So I want to um, start off here and 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 discuss these uh, these topics of education, um, you know. There was something interesting that just happened, the election, the, the, the past election. Now, again, yes. uh, disclaimer here for all our viewers, right? We cannot take a, uh, a political stance as a school. We're a political change maker. High school is here to educate the public about these issues and help people understand. But we never will take a stand on a particular issue or candidate. And so uh, the elections are over. Yes. But there was some very interesting things that occurred. There were education bonds up and down the ballots yes and uh and majority of those bonds passed right Mm -hmm. majority of those overrides except for one except for one it was very interesting to see Mm -hmm. at the end of the day how things ended up kind of happening right so um we are really interested in in kind of getting your perspective because i know that you were at the forefront um of that of understanding yes. that, right? And of uh, analyzing that mm-hmm. and looking at that. You were on the ground and then um, you were posting a commentary throughout the whole process. So now that this is uh, this has happened, you know, what's your take on that? Why is it that th- these overrides passed in, um, in other communities? When we're looking at a Southside community, I happen to mm-hmm. live in the, in the Sunnyside uh, area mm-hmm. and... Uh, it didn't pass. No, it di- it did not pass. Right, it didn't make it. It did. We did, and it was only four hundred and four hundred fifty-two votes. Four hundred fifty-two votes mm-hmm. that made the difference. Yes. So, 
what what because this isn't the first year either no this is a that it hasn't passed right so what's your take from from being involved being on the ground you know your experience what what's your takeaway from this so every saturday i went out there knocking on doors in my community talking to neighbors you know having those one-on-one conversations and you know what i when i was having those conversations i was optimistic i thought that this was for sure going to pass because we were running this a little bit differently in previous years we were only reaching out to democratic voters this year we were reaching to voters from all creeds and so even you know folks on the other side of the aisle were very supportive of public schools in the Sunnyside School District but you know in the, after the post election you know just thinking about why why we lost you know I, I, I took the day off after just to you know think you know have that sort of headspace just to you know recuperate and and one thing that we need to keep in mind is uh, about a decade back we had a superintendent by the name of Dr. Iscardo. Um he brought laptops to the school district and that was a very good thing I commend him on that you know that changed the course of the Sunnyside School District but he was also shady and he built a negative reputation for the Sunnyside School District's leadership team and so I think there's folks who still have that in the back of their mind either they still think Dr. Iscardo's there or they still think that the school district is uh, doesn't take care of their money. Okay. Another thing, we're from, we're in a low socioeconomic area. That's what the South Side low SES. There may be some folks who didn't want that extra thirteen dollars a month on their property taxes, but I don't think that's the main cause though, uh, because there were a great number of folks who did support the override. Um, and another thing is. We're an aging community. You got a lot of nanas and tatas who live there who don't have any kids anymore. And so in the back of their mind, they may be like, I don't have kids in the school district. Why am I going to vote in support of this? You know, those are three things to you know keep in mind as to why this didn't pass. And another thing is maybe we need to start looking at a new voting block. We tried reaching out to, you know, my generation, but, you know, they didn't come out in the numbers that we had hoped. But that means we need to work even harder, as well as reaching out to parents, those genera- those folks in Generation um, X, I believe. I believe that's my parents' generation. You know, um, building that coalition up so that we can get parents out there also supporting our kids. And it's all about that footwork. You know, if you want something to pass, you know, you could post about it, but you're gonna get down. You got to get down there on the ground, yep. knock on those doors, and you know, there's lots of good folks, but we didn't have a lot of those good folks out there. And so next time around, when we go forward, we've got to make sure everybody gets their feet on the ground, knocking on those doors, making those calls, putting those signs up. Okay. So uh, some people now are are wondering what's going to happen. You know, what's going to happen? This override wasn't approved. Um, This would be the only large school district in the area. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that is going to be impacted this way. There, there have been some estimates of a $5 million shortfall. Yes. Right? And and, and let's clear it up for people. Um, this is predominantly for maintenance operations and and for buildings, right? This is not something that's going to impact, you know, teacher salaries or administrator positions or things of that nature. We're talking about 
the district being able to maintain and operate and continue going. This is where the, the, the most of the budget is going to be impacted, correct? So the wages of classified staff, so we're talking secretaries, custodians, nurse clerks, security guards, and a lot of the behind-the-scenes folks that work at the, in the administration building, those wages may be affected. And a lot of those jobs may also be affected. Okay. Um, there was talk about the fine arts programs also being cut in the elementary schools. Um, but our superintendent was able to make some adjustments and we'll be able to keep those programs. But we're, you know, this, this will also affect other programs. I don't have, you know, this, oh, of course. you know, don't know the names of it, but, you know, long story short, our students are going to be affected. And they're, you know, a lot of our staff, May end up filling it. Yeah. So, th so right now, just so folks aren't surprised, there's going to be some tightening of belts. Oh yeah, definitely. And like, there's going to be no way around it. There's going to be tightening of belts. There's going to be we're going to um, freeze some wages. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not going to be any any um, what's the word I'm looking for? We're not going to no no pay raises. Uh -huh. Um, and there's going to be some cuts, and so. Quite frankly, it may take a rude awakening for folks to realize we got to vote yes, we got to turn our ballots in on time, mm -hmm. and maybe we got to get out a Saturday or so uh, to help campaign. So, so these are some direct, like, there's some impacts that are happen that are going to happen because this didn't go in the direction that yes. that um, that was hoped, mm -hmm. right? And that's something that that the the community is going to have to grapple with. Yes. Right. So that's this is a reality that, you know, they, they talk about, you know, all politics is local. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is a definite example of that. It happening. is. Yeah. You know, all politics is local. Uh -huh. And to an extent, all politics is personal. Mm -hmm. This is personal for me. You know, I I graduated. I'm an alumni now. I didn't have to get up early on a Saturday morning to go knock on those doors. But I know that when our schools are prospering, our community is also prospering. You know, it's. It, it goes hand in hand. And so, you know, we need some more folks to realize that. Yeah. So, so again, folks that are, uh, that are listening, tuning in, or just coming on in, we have uh, Patrick Robles uh, with us today and, uh, you know, doing amazing work, um, you know, doing a lot of civic engagement, doing a lot of uh, community activism, and, and really uh, here today to educate us on, you know, what it means to be involved politically. Right. And what it means to take that responsibility. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, again, we want to thank him for being here. We've been discussing uh, this topic of uh, these budget overrides and how only one of the large districts did mm -hmm. not get their budget override actually passed through. And we want to let folks know because this is something that's going to you know, have a ripple effect in the community. Right. It's going to affect uh, families. It's going to affect uh, professionals in the ed space. We're interested in that because we're allies in in that public and space, right? We want all of the schools to do well. We want all of our families to do well. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're, we're talking to folks that were on the ground. Patrick was on the ground with, with, uh, with a team, you know, trying to get this through. It wasn't a success. And this is not the first time. No. So this is also one of those blows that just continues, like one of those black guys that just isn't going away, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We need to work on that. So um, that's what we're really discussing. So uh, to kind of back this up a little bit, that's specifically about um, this the override in the current political kind of space. But a lot of uh, you know a lot of activity did happen, you know, during this election season. So we want to talk about that with respects to you know um, what your experience has been, 
right? Getting engaged, um, seeing some of these changes. I know a few election cycles before, you know, there was some uh, new young folks coming into the mix. There's, there's, there's right now the whole like, okay, boomer, right? <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, the, the Gen X are just kicking back and watching mm-hmm. this thing happen, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so uh, this is a reality in the political space. It's it not is. just something that's out in like social media land and, you know, everybody's laughing about it, haha, whatever. Uh, and the humor part that it, it, it's there, mm-hmm. but there's really like oh, yeah. some gatekeepers and some folks that are in that previous generation that like, there's some things that are happening that are a little tough for these transitions to actually take place, you know, the passing of the torch, so to yes. speak, or young blood coming mm-hmm. in. And, and so what's your experience been bringing in new ideas? Um, of course, honoring those folks who have done the work, right? right? And who have, you know, opened up seats at the table and all of that. But now we're seeing like, hey, we, we have some new ideas. We have some some new approaches. Um, what experience have you seen with respects to some of that? I mean, some people are just plowing ahead, yeah. not asking for permission, mm-hmm. right? And then some folks are still... You know, following the channels that you know that right. are established. What do you see? What, what what's going on? It's so the way I sort of rose to um, you know a, lead, a leadership role in the Sunnyside School District was by making those connections with our superintendent, our school board, and all of whom were very receptive. And I got to thank them for that. Um, and as I was moving on through my high school years, I got involved with the Metropolitan Education Commission. And every year, the Metropolitan Education Commission provides an opportunity for young folks to go up to the state capitol and lobby for an issue that they feel passionate about. I'm a public education advocate. And so um, two years ago, after the Parkland shooting, that was actually last year, seems so long ago, I decided to advocate for some gun, for some gun, gun control reform, some gun reform, you know, this way our schools can be safer. How do we make our schools safer? And so when I go up to the state capitol, you know, we don't meet with folks that we're going to be preaching to the choir with. We meet with those, you know, folks on the other side of the aisle, conservatives, hardcore gun rights activists that want seats in the state legislature. And I remember meeting with one one state senator, and he completely blew us off. You know, he said, you know, it's not, it's not the guns, it's the people. You know, I... I would go to Mexico all the time. I was held at gunpoint, but you know, it was the people, you know, he told, he went on this 20 minute tangent about his trip to Mexico. And you know, it's a, I wish I could use names, but I don't want to use names. Um, but you know, when, when a lot of these folks who've been in public office for quite some time, and I'm speaking specifically about the state level, they kind of look at the young folks who go up there as rookies, as, they don't know what they're talking about. Or I've been in this work for quite some time. Don't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten that. And that's sort of part of the re- rejection that I've gotten, you know, as being a you know local leader and all that stuff. And so, you know, I've got to tell you, young, folk, young people, we're frustrated. We're looking at our elected officials who are older in age, who are part of the baby boomer generation and on, who aren't doing enough about the issues that are affecting affecting us today and that will negatively affect us um, incredibly years from now. That's where OK Boomer's coming from. You know, you you want to shoot us down because we, you know, we have a great idea that we want to see enacted. OK, Boomer, wait for us when we run for office. We're going to run for office. 
Um, but, you know, personally, I, you know, I've had great interactions with the folks currently in office and they've been very supportive of me. But at the state level, it's a whole different story. So, so th- this is, uh, like we're saying, it depends on the, on the landscape. Yes. Where you're engaging, where you're choosing to engage. If you're talking about local politics, state politics, you know, national politics, mm-hmm. it's all going to depend on where you're choosing to put your energies. Yes, it does. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. And, and I think something that, again, for our, you know, the families that are out here, you know, our community sometimes stays away from these issues, stays away from the mm-hmm. politic, right? Mm-hmm. Says, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want, um, you know, I don't want to pick a side because I don't want to offend anyone. There's kind of this, this uh, cultural kind of, we're going to, everything's going to be fine. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, we could, Thanksgiving is going to be great, right? We're going to all <laughs> sit around the table. But we know that our community is not homogenous, right? Right. There, we have people on all, on the whole spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. Political spectrum. Yes. Uh, you, you name it. And, and then there's also some internal contradictions. There. Yeah. So uh, you know, what do you, what do you see there? What do you see there as, uh, you know, with, let's say within your own family or within, you know, the, the, the community, engaging the community, how, how is that playing out? What are you seeing? Are you seeing people um, coming to the table and, and, and talking these things out? Or is it like avoidance or is it contention? What, what are you perceiving at this time? So before I got involved locally, my parents didn't vote regularly. You know, they missed the off-year elections or they only wait, they only vote in the presidential elections. You know, so that just should give you some insight as to how my family operated prior to me getting involved. Um, but I do see a lot of this, you know, oh, I'm not going to rock the boat, you know, in my own family, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and even when I was knocking on doors for 474, you know, there were nanas and tatas who said, oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'm No, you know. And, and so... Um, I think as as a culture, as a as a Latino community, you know, we have to do far more better if we want for things to come in our favor. You know, we we're the second um, biggest, we're the biggest largest minority mm-hmm. in this country. Mm-hmm. There is no reason why there should be these immigration fights that are targeting our community. Um, if we were to vote in large numbers, I don't think we'd see a lot of these fights targeting the the Latino community, but they are because there is this resistance to go out there and participate civically. And, you know, the other day when I was at Hotel Congress watching uh, Regina Romero, um, their victory speech, I had chills and I had tears in my eyes because her winning the mayoralship here in the city of Tucson speaks to how far we have come as a culture mm-hmm. not only in tucson not only in arizona but in the united states we've got, we've got a woman of color we've got a latina a daughter of farm workers now holding the highest position in the city mm-hmm. you know that means that you know we'll you know we're coming closer to the point where latinos will now be a force to be reckoned with you know, arguably, folks may say we have been a force for decades, but I think it, you know, with the Trump presidency and all that and and a, a contested Democratic race for the presidency on the Democratic side, 
you know, she shows that we're steps closer to being a force to be reckoned with. And, and so this, uh, this piece also speaks to kind of looking at, you know, the African-American community, right? And looking at the African-American community and the trajectory that they took to gain mm-hmm. economic and political power. Right. right. And so the, the you know, the, there was a very large contingent of civil rights activists that then moved into politics. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we have some of that. We have some of those folks that were part of, you know, the Chicano movement. Yes. Who moved into into politic. Um, and you have some, you know, those folks had to go toe to toe. Oh, yeah. Even some of those individuals. Mm-hmm. Right. Who, you know, we, we see this in the African community. That's that's that was one of their realities. You know, um, uh, we see that with Cory Booker, for example. Yes. Right. Where that was his his rise uh-huh. was having to contest the old vanguard right right and so that creates even more contention mm-hmm, right and mm-hmm. and uh and so as young folks you know what's your advice in navigating that reality right and navigating the fact that okay we have respect for our elders and the folks who came before us and the reality is that you know we may be coming from a community that hasn't been as engaged as we would want people don't want to rock the boat you know do we have to rock the boat is that what is that is that what you think is needed at this time, or is it wait your turn uh, to then be able to move into these positions? What is it both? What What do you think? So we've got to rock the boat, but while we're rocking that boat, we've got to have some things in the back of our mind. We got to know, you know, we've got to have a, we we have to build an understanding of the levels of government, local, state, federal. We've got to know who's in office. We've got to know what that person supports, doesn't support, what policies they passed in the past. And so we've got to have this sort of political insight in order to create some instrumental, in order to instrumentally create some change. Um, but, you know, being respectful has gotten me a long way. But you can be respectful and be critical. That other person may not like it, but it it's it's critical to be critical, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so we've got to have, you know, critical consciousness as we're entering this this new political realm, and be politically conscious when we're rocking the boat of the folks we'll be affecting, and how we'll be able to make that change, because, you know, you. At the end of the day, you need the folks in power on your side, um, but you got to convince them first and be critical of them, and that's a hard kind of met, our hard egg to crack. You know, yeah. be critical and have them on your side. Yeah, I mean, I, some of the young people here, specifically some of the uh, the upperclassmen or seniors, you know, I had several of them ask me. They're like, "Why aren't there term limits?" Aren't there term limits on mm-hmm. some of these uh, these positions at different levels? Right. You know, how is it that a political class can then just sit and mm-hmm. just stay there and be right. very comfortable and just continue time after time to just mm-hmm. um, kind of just stay in that position? Yeah. You know, um, and it's a hard it's hard to answer that question. It is right. It's hard. I mean, at the state level, for example, you know, somebody could be in one chamber 
and there's a term limit, but then they can hop over to the other chamber. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we've seen that. Oh yeah. We've seen, and then they just they do their, and then they do their time, and then they hop yes. back over to the next, and then mm-hmm. they just, they know the game, oh, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's like we have young folks who are interested in learning how this is played, but there's a bottleneck. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and not to say again that the work that folks have done is 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 not effective, but it it new ideas aren't getting in to the chamber, no. right? Because that bottleneck is there, right? And that's when you be then that's when you know you start to be critical, you start to have that political conscious in mind, and you start to put that flame under the bottom, and telling them, hey, what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. This is what we care about. Can you help us out? You know. So it's showing up. It's not showing up just at, at, at uh, when we have to turn in ballots. No, because some people like, before it used to be. Well, I, mm-hmm. I voted in the in the presidential election. I did my duty. I said I won't. Right. right? Uh, and some other folks are like, okay, well, uh, we we started hearing about you have to also get engaged in the midterms, and you know that's mm-hmm. also important. Like, well, there's propositions at the local level, so make sure you're staying on top of the local, et cetera, et cetera. And so is this educational kind of you know, process that we've gone through in this political space. There's still mm-hmm. more to do, as you know. Um, so what would you tell young people who want to learn this process, mm-hmm. who want to get, it, like, what steps should they take to show up beyond just what is obvious, so to speak? Right. So you're concerned about a per- particular issue. Look at, you know, look it up. Does the federal government have control over it? Does the state government or local Call that particular politician. Call their office. Let them know your concern. That's that's why I work for my county supervisor because my neighborhood needed some work, and I ended up calling Supervisor Valadez, and you know, and looking now, you know, I interned for him, and now I'm able to be that sort of liaison for constituents who have those same concerns. So call your elected official. So that's that's number one. Number one, like do the research. Do the research. You yes, be- you better know your stuff. Yes, know your stuff. Okay, and then number two is make the call. Make that call. Okay, so so some people are intimidated by that, mm-hmm. right? So guide some folks through that. What what are they supposed to do when they make that call? Because some people are like, well, I'm underage or I'm in high school and I'm mm-hmm. concerned about this and they're not going to listen to me. I can't even vote. All of those concerns go through people's minds, plus everything else that we've talked about already, right? right? So what is, uh, what is that process? So in this step two, let's break that down just a little bit. Okay. What should we do on that call? Introduce yourself. Tell them who you are. And when they know that you're a young person, they're going to get excited. They like Elected officials like to talk to young people. It makes them, you know, feel optimistic and excited because it's not the usual old people that are calling all the time. So, you know, hi, I'm Patrick. I'm 18 years old. I'm concerned about X, Y, and Z. This is how I feel about it. And whether that elected officials on the other line or, or his or her secretary... You know, let them know how you feel. And if you want a response, let them know that you want a response. Or if you even want to schedule a meeting with that person, schedule a meeting. Bring a team with you. You know, bring, have some information. Know what you're talking about. And you're going to build respect between you and the elected official. And they're going to be on your side. Okay, so so on that call... You, you're already thinking of the next step. Yes. Like, so you're going from call, a face-to-face. Mm-hmm. We, we want to, you're my elected official. I want to meet you face-to-face. Yes. Okay. So you're thinking about that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Then, that so then talk us through that. So, okay, we went through this call. We brave enough to, mm-hmm. you know, make that, make that call, make that connection, say our piece, you know, introduce ourselves, say our piece. 
And then now we got this meeting. Yes. Okay, so what do we do in this meeting? Look around. See if you got folks who are concerned about that same issue you're concerned about. Bring those folks with you. Okay. Now, in the meantime, before that meeting comes, do your research. Do your homework. Know what you're concerned about. And then when the meeting comes, bring those folks with you. Bring that work. Bring that research information. Sit down with them. Talk to your elected official. Let them know why you're why you're concerned and have that conversation. And quite frankly, a lot of those conversations aren't happening as much as they should, which is why we sort of find ourselves in this divisive country at the moment. So so you go in there, again, you need to know your stuff. Yes. And you need to have other individuals that are going to support mm-hmm. that piece. Now, what... What should be the goal of that meeting? What are people? Um, what what what's the outcome that we're that you would hope? Mm-hmm. You're saying they're not happening enough. Um, what's the win-win? What would the elected official want, and what does the the constituent want in a good, let's say, a, an ideal meeting? Yeah. What would that look like? So the goal of that meeting is to get your elected official to say that he or she is going to do something about the issue you're there for that he or she is going to introduce something at their next board meeting or is going to make some calls to move some funding to this or that and have them, you know, you know, promise something, have them, you know, confirm that they're going to do something. And, and, um, so you've got the elected official doing that and the young person, you know, whoever's there, you know, you'll be, um, I lost my train of thought. So what? What are they? What are we doing in this meeting? They, yeah, they're they're saying I'm going to move this. I'm going to allocate over here. Yeah, they're agreeing with your with whatever you're bringing to the table. What now, are you What are you doing now? In return, you remain a good constituent. Okay, what you already that? have that yeah relationship. You built a relationship with your elected official there. So for, after that meeting, you're going to remain a good constituent. Call that office when you have a concern. If they have that that public meeting out for the community, go to that meeting because you're then building that relationship with that elected official. And, you know, sooner than later, that elected official is going to have your back. I got you. When so, you need something. So you need to build that relationship. You need to know the staff. They need to, they need to see you. You need to come out. Yeah. You know, when, they, when, when they're hosting a talk, when they're, you know, um, having some kind of, they're, they're addressing issues, whatever the case may be. They, they want constituent engagement. Mm-hmm. Show up. Yes. Show up to that. Mm-hmm. Strategic planning meetings or you show know, up. A, a, anything they're, they're talking about, changes to policy or, you know, potential input in any kind, show up to that. Yes. Make the time. That's crucial. That's, that's like, you cannot, you can't just be the person who's on the phone complaining all the time. Mm-hmm. You have to show up and put in the work as well. Yes. Be, you know, at the office, like, you know, we get calls all the time. and We get complaints from folks. And even um, after the override, we were getting complaints from folks. Oh, you didn't do this. Or you didn't do that. Did you show up? That's what I asked ask them. Did you show up? Did you help us? You know, you know, one of my life models, mantras are, you know, if, if you got an issue, you got a complaint, don't com- don't just, you know, suffer there and worry about it do something about it we don't have enough of that and so you know when you're done building that sort of relationship with that elected official you know you did something about it and now you're able 
and you're capable of creating change. And then I would say the next piece is teach that to others. Yes. Then turn around and teach somebody else how to do this. Leaders make more leaders. Yeah. So it isn't like I know how to get in. I know how to make the call. I know how to get that meeting. I know how to. And so my street's going to get fixed. My mm-hmm. potholes are going to be done. My whatever the case may be, right? Whatever mm-hmm. I'm, I'm advocating for. Um, it's now let's talk to other folks. Yes. Let's teach them. Mm-hmm. Let's bring more, bring more people under my wing, you know, teach them the ropes, mm-hmm. you know. Because a lot of times that's what our elected officials are looking for. They're looking mm-hmm. for direction. Right. You know what? Because the vote only happens well, depending Every, on the term, mm-hmm. right? Or ten, Usually term. typically four years. Yeah, typically four years. So mm-hmm. they're not going to hear, you know, four years later, mm-hmm. people's positions may have changed or ideas or whatever right. the case may be. Uh-huh. Right? So it's constantly staying engaged, knowing you know, who is your elected official. Now, there's some people that just get, just get siloed into the elected official at the local level. But we have elected officials at multiple levels. Yes, we do. Right? So if we start at the basic level, let's say your school district, mm-hmm. right? There's school district. There's, there's elected officials at the school district level, right? Yes. So knowing those folks. Yes, knowing those folks. Showing up to mm-hmm. those meetings, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's folks at the city level. Yes. So in Tucson, we're looking at City council. Yes, city council, mayor. Mayor and city council. Mm-hmm. So knowing who your city council rep is. Yes. Okay. And and then connecting with that office uh-huh. and the staff and et cetera. Yes. Then we're looking at, you know, uh, at the county level, we're looking at the board of supervisors. Board of supervisors. Uh-huh. Right. Same thing. The office there, mm-hmm. representatives there. Yes. And then we're looking at, you know, your state reps. Mm-hmm. So we're also a certain area has state reps. Right. And so you're looking at who are, who's there to represent you also. Yes. On that state level. Mm-hmm. And then we're looking at the federal level. Yes. Right. And the federal level is usually we're thinking kind of the city, maybe the county. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. people don't really look because and then the federal. Right. And they just bypass these other areas. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how do you keep track of all of that? Or where do you go to find out who is my rep? Who should I be making that phone call, showing up, asking for meetings, et cetera? How, how do you get that information? So uh, what I usually do is I go to um, Ballotpedia. Okay. Ballotpedia.org or .com. Okay. And that's where you can sort of click Arizona, and then you can see the different zonings of each, you know, each individual district of who your representative is, state legislature, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, also, the P- Pima County, on their webpage, they have a link to a GIS map. And on that GIS map, you can type in your address. And then on different tabs on the side, you can click, you know, find my congressional district. And it'll draw out, you know, the congressional districts and show you whose district you live in. So that's also very helpful. Um, But just, you know, looking it up online, um, going to that Congress member's uh, webpage to understand, you know, who's who. You know, what do they stand for? What are the issues? Are they even my representative? That's all very helpful. And so, again, for uh, folks that are following along, thank you so much. Again, Patrick Robles is here with us talking about being civically engaged, specifically talking to uh, to us about young people and how young folks should be at the table. Uh, the, the pieces that fall in place here with respects to our community, our families, you know, everything that we're uh, discussing here is extremely important so that we're at the forefront of understanding 
how political power works mm-hmm. and how we need to be engaged in that process. Yes. That this is not a hands-off. This definitely needs to be a hands-on. Yep, absolutely. And so with uh, with families, how should they broach these conversations about you know these issues, about being civically engaged with young people? What, what would you say to parents who are saying, you know, what's the right age to start talking about this with... Uh, with my little one, right? Like they, everybody, they, there's so much to worry about. We don't want to, you know, get involved in that because sometimes mm-hmm. it gets kind of, you know, ugly. There's some mudslinging and some stuff that's like, uh. so what would, what would you say to, to a parent? What's the right age? When, when is appropriate? Start in elementary. You know, I remember when my mom and dad did vote, they take me to the polls with them. I'd stand right there in the voting booth and watch them fill out the bubble and voting for a candidate that they voted for. And so starting elementary, take your kids with you when you go out and vote. Or if you get, you know, a mail-in ballot, have them sit down with you. Have them watch you. That's when that clicks, that that sort of civic engagement wire clicks in your brain that, you know, hey, this is important. Um, Start doing that. Um, And when they see signs on the side of the road, vote for me or so-and-so for city council, if your kid asks you a question about them, talk about it with them. You know, early starting at an early age and talking about those issues and talking about those candidates you know you know obviously you shouldn't get you know a little complicated about it but as long as it's the kid knows what you're talking about that'll help them build an understanding as they get older of the an understanding of the importance it is to participate in civic life gotcha and speaking directly to um those soon-to-be voters, mm-hmm. right? Those 17-year-old, 18-year-olds um, who will be voting in the next elections coming up here. You know, what do we need to do? What should that voting block of young people do? These young voters, mm-hmm. um, you're saying, you know, the numbers aren't as high as they should be. No. Um, what more needs to be done? What else should be done? Because like you're saying, those folks who are who paid their taxes, paid their dues, send their kids to school, send them to college, they're voting in their favor, yep. right? They're like, I don't want to give mm-hmm. away my resources. I don't want my taxes to go right. up. I mm-hmm. already, you know, paid for the dues of my kid and schools and all of that. And so they're voting in their favor. Um, what should young people know? What should they do? So Generation Z, my generation, we're forced to be reckoned with. But not yet, because we obviously haven't showed up at the polls. 2020 will be the test. Seven million people strong. That's how many young folks are going to be able to vote next year. Okay. Those 18, 19-year-olds, Generation Z. You know, millennials are the generation older than me, so they're, they're already got a, a lot of folks voting. Mm-hmm. Well, they, prob- they need more folks voting, but, you know. Um, so... I'm sorry, I totally forgot no, your question. What, what should what should these young people do? What should we do? How should we entice them? What is the process to get so, them more engaged? Um, you know, I think they, they, they've got to look at, hey, I can't control the direction of this country. You know, we can, you know, have a say in who's voting what. You know, once these, once these presidential candidates realize that my generation will come out in force next year, they're going to start releasing policy after policy that will eventually support my generation, whether it's now or in the future. You know, it's like when you vote, you'll be recognized as um, 
as, and I keep on saying it, but as a force to be reckoned with, you know, that's what it all comes down to when they're, they're not going to care about you until you show up at the polls. You know, they're not going to make policies in your favor unless they see that you're voting. And that's what young people need to realize. Show that you care. The people in power are going to care. So, folks, again, you heard it first here with uh, Patrick. Patrick, so thank you so much for making the time, man. Appreciate it so much. Um, for everybody that's out there, again, thank you for uh, following along. Again, you can catch this uh, later on here on Facebook, IG. There'll be some stuff out. Again, all the uh, platforms for uh, for the podcast. Be a lookout for that. That'll be up very soon. And again, Patrick, thank you so much for everything you do, my man. Thank you so much for, thank you, uh, Appreciate for, for stepping up and for definitely taking on this huge responsibility and being that voice, right? And helping uh, families and young people understand that, yeah, we all need to be uh, paying attention. Thank you. Doing si, good work. Si se puede. Yeah, se puede. Muchas gracias. Mm -hmm. Thank you gracias. so much, my man. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.